In our modern world, many people are faced with this dilemma, to feel or not to feel. What do I do with my emotions? Emotions can be very powerful, very exciting when they're pleasant, but what happens when they're more uncomfortable and we don't like them? Should we feel them? Should we not? There's an entire generation that grew up with suppression and repressing feelings. It was well known that you just don't express emotions. It was not accepted socially. And it was even in spiritual traditions, it was much better to hold our emotions, control them. And generation and generations have heard this, don't cry like a baby. And it even permeated around gender differences, boys don't cry. And girls are okay to cry, but you know, don't cry too hard because then you're a little unstable. So that has been an experience for centuries. And in a certain sense, it makes sense. Like not even 80 years ago, we did not have medications to help with any emotional dysregulations. We know now in mental health that there are several mental health diagnoses. We shouldn't have any stigma around that. Roughly about one person out of five, they'll have some sort of a mood dysregulation, either depression or anxiety, and all sorts of medical and mental health diagnosis. And that is not anyone's fault. We know now there's genetics behind that. And as I mentioned, not even 80 years ago, there were no medications to treat that. So it made sense that emotions were scary. It made sense that big explosions and big manifestations of emotions were looked or frowned upon and not accepted in our society for very good reasons. And nonetheless, this led to more problems. Suppression doesn't work of emotions because it's like keeping a beach ball underwater. How long can we do that with our arms without getting really tired? And then the emotions just pop up when we least expect them. So in the series, I'm going to really talk about different ways we can understand emotions, some of the problems that we've encountered and we're inheriting some of the ways psychology is looking and understanding emotions, some of the ways mental health is dealing with them, and also spiritual tradition and Christianity, and really thinking through, first of all, bridging through the languages, and in the same time, what are some ways that we can do self-regulation, meaning we can help ourselves with our emotions. Now, caution you that obviously there is, if you're listening, and there are some mental health issues and there are some moods that require treatment. This is, although I'm a physician, this is not a, you know, ask your doctor kind of forum. So this is just for educational purposes. So I encourage you to talk with your therapist or your doctor. And if you don't know me, I'm Dr. Ioana Popa from Team for the Soul. And I love bridging various areas because I have trainings in them and I like to integrate them. Medicine, psychology, psychiatry, and spiritual care, life coaching, and Orthodox Christian faith, the ancient Christian faith. So with that, let's dive in. Today, we're going to talk about emotions and what's the problem with suppression. So growing up, very interestingly, I my experience was in a society that had suppression was like the mode of operandum, so to speak, way of being. So I had no idea what are the emotions. It was not taught. It's not like my parents didn't want to teach me. It just was not a cultural thing back then way in Romania. And 
I grew up and I had crying spells. No one knew what it is. I didn't know it was depression. I had later, again, some other bouts looking back, probably it was depression, but no one was talking about it. It was just a state of being and didn't make much of it because there was no conversation about it. Suppression was to the maximum on steroids, so to speak. And coming back and training myself as a physician and training as a psychiatrist, I've learned, oh my goodness, suppression. This clearly was the methodology. And interestingly, it made sense now looking back as not even 80 years ago was mentioned, there were no medications, no intensive therapy available for everyone. So especially in Western countries and how can we deal with very strong emotions? There was not a lot of opportunities. There are not a lot of ways to handle this in a safe way. And no wonder that suppression was the only alternative. The problem with suppression though, is several folds. I'll give you several examples and you might you can relate to that either from your life or you've seen other people. Sometimes when the emotions are suppressed, things are just fine until one small trigger. And then there's an explosion. How many times we feel and we experience that and we've seen it in people that they're fine and then the smallest comment or a text message or an email or they get several and by the end of the day, they can be really frustrated and can have explosions. It might be a road rage. And then what happened? Many times people feel either justified or they feel really bad and ashamed and do even more and more suppression. This is a common problem. And in spiritual traditions, it's called many times, especially in Christianity, it's called the passions. So people have passions and then they're this were labeled as you know coming from the evil one then you have to fight it with more prayer or spiritual practices mind you i love spiritual and religious practices i'm a christian but there is a difference between doing those practices as a way to relating with god and doing this as a way to ward off very unpleasant emotions and keep them at bay. That in itself has a term. It's called spiritual bypass. When we bypass our psychological growth through spiritual practices, and of course they help, and I'm all in favor of using those kind of practices, but it's good to know in the back of our mind, is there though some repression, some suppression of emotions that might be good to be processed in ways of talking with a mentor or a therapist or a life coach in such a way to move through them? Because emotions can be scary. But as I'll talk in later episodes, there are ways to handle them and start befriending them in ways that can be actually enriching to us. And because of this phenomenon, right, with these strong emotions, they're suppressed, then the energy from our subconscious is coming up through either behavior or rush action or impulses or obsessive thoughts. No wonder many spiritual traditions were recommending even more suppression or just practicing of detachment from those emotions. I'll talk more about that in a later time. And to make things even more complicated, I would say by the end of 19th century and beginning of 20th century with the advent of psychology and contribution that Freud did, there was a movement towards unsuppressing 
emotions and impulses and that was helpful for some people for some it wasn't helpful that actually springed more uh, methodologies psychological methodologies and it was so funny when I was teaching AP psychology and psychology in college level to go through different psychological modalities and see how they were trying to solve our human condition, so to speak, and help people from different perspectives, moving the pendulum from one end to the other. You know, as Freud was all about expressing the repressed, then moving into the behavioral psychology where everything was just behavioral and was conditioned from external circumstances, and we can change our thoughts and emotions based on that. Moving then to cognitive psychology, wait, wait, it's all about thoughts, and then moving into more uh, learning about emotions and emotional intelligence and so on and so forth, social psychology, mindfulness. There's so many layers and ways of doing it. And it was a little bit comical teaching psychology because it, every new methodology coming up, they were like, wait, I'm the best psychological methodologies. Actually, this is the way of doing things. And then a new wave of psychological methodology will come up. And it was very interesting to observe this and thinking, wait a minute, they're all talking about the same thing. It's just different perspective. It's like that metaphor with the elephant, you know, one person is touching the elephant. Oh, this it's rough. It's something rough. Another one has just a vision. It's like, oh, it looks gray. Another one is just hearing the sound and it's saying, oh, but it makes this deep sound. They're all talking about the same thing. And I feel it's the same in the psychological world. The good news is there's much more conversation nowadays. And there is a movement towards more synchronicity between those psychological methodologies. But in the same time, for someone who's skeptic, someone who is used with suppression and repression of emotions, this seems a little not quite settling. So I get it why for many people, the choices are either suppressing or expressing them, but that doesn't sound right either. And I totally get it why in many religious traditions, they're a little skeptical about psychological methodologies. Nonetheless, I'm here as a witness to say that there is a convergence, that there are synchronicities between the spiritual traditions and psychological methodologies, because ultimately they speak to a fundamental experience, being a human. What does it mean to be a human and how do we operate internally, especially from an emotional point of view, also cognitive point of view, and also on a body level. And everything, all the sages of the world have been preoccupied with how do we enhance human condition? How do we help humans to be the best they can, achieve their highest potential in some form, using different words, mind you, and how to help also communities to thrive and grow. This is one of the reasons I really love deep down Orthodox Christian theology, because one of the principles that they use is unity in diversity. By trying to really be united in the multiplicity and the diversity that we're experiencing as human beings, there is a way of respecting all human beings and respecting the past, the present, and the future. 
And I see that more and more happening as well in science and psychology. This idea there's a body of knowledge, there's a thirst for knowledge, and there's a body of knowledge that is developing based on scientific methodologies, based on testing things, not in just theories of the mind. And with that, seeing these kind of integrations. And I'm also very excited that there are studies even in psychology now, including spirituality, because that conversation between psychology and spirituality, I think it's so essential because they answer different questions. Spirituality answer the question, why? And ultimately science is answering the question, how? And those are just two different realms. And if we, as we see more and more integration in those two realms, it's going to help us towards that movement towards wholeness. So going back to the suppression, it's very tempting to do suppression. And I encourage us to use it short term. By the way, many coping strategies are helping to modulate. This is the fancy term for bringing our emotions under control. It can be very helpful in in situations, right? If I'm really frustrated and I'm teaching a class, I better suppress my emotions and put them to the side so I can be kind of compassionate with my students, right? So there's a space for that. In the long run though, it's not a way of being. And that's really the point for today that suppression itself If we do it 24-7 and we're all prone to do that because of centuries of doing this and also because of the way our culture works now, we're always in our thinking mode. We're always driven by logic and with that, we can become more suppressing more of emotions and that can impact backfiring, so to speak, our body and our stress level and our emotions. Nonetheless, For people who are used with suppression, how I used to be, the question is going to be in our minds, well, what do we do then? Just opening up to the emotions full force is like a a dam overflowing. It can be scary and it can be overwhelming. So is that really the solution? So we're going to talk about that next episode and what could be some of the problems with just allowing emotions to be full force and some of the psychological research, what social psychology has shown us about that as we move towards befriending and really understanding emotions further. And with that, I say goodbye for now and thank you for being in this shared space and time and thank you for all you do in the world.